train your mouth like a diplomat. Basically, how do you communicate more effectively to not just reduce conflict, but also to lead a better life? That's what we're going to be talking about today on the Peace Walker podcast. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level. Craig Gray here, Peace Walker Podcast, episode number 107. Train your mouth like a diplomat. So the past few weeks we've been going over uh, one of the sayings, one of the maxims that we have in our academy, which is train your body like a soldier, train your mind like a general, train your mouth like a diplomat, and train your heart like a protector. And today we're going over diplomacy. Verbal communications, leadership, this type of thing. And it's, it's a really important part of not just protecting yourself, but living a more successful life. And if you want to get on this train of being a peace walker, start to learn the skills of doing all these things we're talking about, I invite you to be a part of my six-day defense program. If you get on sixdaydefense.com, you can get my free home study course where I will help you to start to developing the tools to become a peace walker. It's a handful of very short videos and you can start to learn how to protect yourself more effectively and also start to learn the physical self-defense tactics that are necessary to be able to protect yourself and others. You can, all, you can do all this from the comfort of your own phone, so to speak, and absolutely free. All you need is your attention and your email address. So if you punch in your email address when you get on 6daydefense.com, you will get access to my free home study course and you can be on your way. Also, as part of that, you're going to get included in my almost daily emails. So almost every day, I'm going to send you right to your inbox a tip, trick, and tactic, a story about how to develop as a peace walker and how to start to utilize these tools in your own life. So I share a lot of things that happened to me, both in the present and the past, and I share other stories from other peace walkers in our community. And we help tie in all these things to live a better life. Again, that's sixdaydefense.com. All spelled out except for the dot. All right. So today we're talking about training your mouth like a diplomat. So a lot of people start to learn how to protect themselves and they neglect a few very important things. One of the main things that they neglect to do is learn how to more effectively communicate. So learning how to more effectively communicate is really important when it comes to protecting yourself. It's really important in not just surviving, but in thriving and being successful in pretty much anything you're going to do in life, 
we're social creatures. We like to talk. We like to communicate. We like to negotiate, bounce ideas off of one another. And in certain circumstances, we may have to de-escalate and build allies, not enemies. So how do we do that? Most of the time, it's through talking. So if learning how to verbally communicate and communicate during conflict isn't part of your repertoire, you need to get that shit done, right? You need to get on that and learn how it's done. So obviously, we go over it in the Peace Walker program. Um, we don't get it so much into it so much in the free um, course. We I think we allude to it, talk about it a little bit. But in our full-blown courses, we talk a lot about how to communicate and how to be a better leader. Because a lot of people come to like my local martial arts um, Krav Maga Academy, learning, wanting to learn how to protect themselves. And um, what do you do? You start to learn how to physically protect yourself. Let's say you go and you get yourself a gun and you want to conceal carry if your state allows it. And you go to the range and you start to shoot and do all that kind of stuff. Um, That's great. Nothing wrong with it. Just do it responsibly. But understand that no matter if you're learning how to throw people around, choke them out and joint lock them and smash them. Or you're learning how to put holes into them. um, A, understand that your, your real goal is to protect not attack, but protect yourself and other people to the best of your abilities. And also understand that most violence isn't physical. And I'll guarantee you, unless you're caught into an active shooting event or active terrorism or you're ambushed in some way, most all conflicts start verbally. Obviously, you could say through proximity, right, in the environment, and or emotionally, but rarely does a circumstance that you or I come into start off physically. There is typically a verbal component to it. And if you are good at diplomacy, if you are good at conflict communication skills, you're going to have a much better chance at de-escalating that situation to the point to where Possibly physical intervention is not necessary. I think the physical portion of it is important because it gives you the confidence to present yourself more effectively, to present, blah, 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 speaking of verbal communications, but to present yourself in a way that's more confident and it changes your whole demeanor. However, you got to also learn how to verbally communicate. And conflict communications is different than just casual conversation. Conflict communications has a structure to it. It has a rhythm to it. It has different rules to it than, say, a con, uh, say, a, um, casual conversation. If you ever have talked to a salesperson, right? A salesperson is talking to you in a structured manner. When a company sees 
a candidate for a sales position, they typically pick folks who are gregarious, who are good with people, who you know maybe are a little outgoing and so forth, but they still send them through sales training. <clears throat> because just being gregarious and being able to talk to people isn't the same as a sales presentation or sales dialogue. There is a method to it. There's a rhythm to it. If you came into my car lot and you wanted to buy a car, I don't start with just selling you a car. I start with some rapport. I start by asking questions. I start by building a relationship. I start by seeing what you need and who you are and how you be using the car and what you likes and what you don't like and the objections that you may they may have had or have now your budget so it's through service then we get to a point to where you know maybe we start looking at cars and then we start getting closer to what you're looking for and then I kind of help you to make the purchase I, you just don't sit down and I go, hey, I'm, I'm glad you're here because I need to get my sales numbers this month. And being that it's the 30th today, hey, why don't you buy this most expensive car because I need to get what I want. <clears throat> it's kind of like when you go into a restaurant, there is a rhythm to it, right? You come in, they seat you, they bring you water, they ask you if you want drinks. Then they ask if you want appetizers, and then they take your order for the meal. They bring you your meal, they see if you need refills on your drinks, and then after you're finished with your meal, they do what? They ask you if you want dessert. And in some restaurants, even after dessert, they will ask you if you want like a cordial, you know, a post-dessert drink, like coffee or a little uh, after-drink liqueur or a port or something. So there is a rhythm to it. They, you don't come in and they just ask you if you want dessert before they seat you. <laughs> there is a rhythm to it. So casual communications is much like a tennis game, right? I lob something over your side of the court and you hit it back. And then I, you know, lob it back over to your side of the court and you hit it back. And we go back and forth and there may be a conclusion, there may not be. But with verbal communications during conflict or a sale or some type of a some type of a interaction like that, there is more going on than just a casual lobbing back and forth of verbal communications and, and social um, interaction. <clears throat> and if you don't know what that is and if you don't know how to do it, um, you're at a huge disadvantage when it comes to negotiations, when it comes to verbal de-escalation, when it comes to conflict communications when it comes to different types of leadership uh, skills. So you really need to know what and how to be diplomatic. How do you do it during conflict? Because most of the conflicts that you and I are going to run into in the real world that may need self-defense skills are often going to be verbal. And if you're better at Diplomacy, if you're better at verbal communication skills when it comes to conflict, if you're better at de-escalation skills, if you're better at leadership skills, you 
will avoid a lot of problems and you will also avoid maybe having to go physical to protect yourself or other people. And also, you will know more on what to do next because a lot of people don't realize learning to be diplomatic, learning to be a leader, learning to negotiate and communicate during conflict isn't so much about getting the other person to do what you want. You have to be clear about what the objective is and make sure that that objective is most good, least harm for everyone. And if it is, then you can start to fashion a strategy on how to basically set boundaries to make. It's not always a win-win situation, right? When you're talking about sales nowadays, we often talk about a win-win situation. And when it comes to conflict communications, it's not always a win-win. Because sometimes what winning means to the other side, what winning means to the other person, puts people at jeopardy. So it's really about having an objective that is most good, least harm for everybody and working towards that objective collectively. And if that is not able to be negotiated upon, then you know what is your plan B? So it's really about a few things. Number one is having a clear objective when you go in. Number two is having a plan B if nice doesn't work. And in between those two, it's like, well, how can I be the most persuasive as I can to influence the situation for them to, to try to choose the path that's going to be least violent for everybody, um, if you can. But you know, what's your plan B if you do everything that you can and they're still not going to come around? You know, Can you just escape? Um, do you have to then... You know, bring in reinforcements. Do you does is it going to go physical? So what what's going to happen if if the um, other individual or groups of it, or group of individuals doesn't do as you asked? But first, you got to make sure that you're clear in your objective. What is your objective? And make sure that objective is most at least harm for everyone. That points to the value of life, right? The universal value of life. So some intricacies there that um, aren't often thought about. Another thing that this type of diplomacy and leadership and verbal communications is going to do, it's going to, it's going to kind of um, tell you the state of the other person or the other group. Are they open to communicating and to working this issue out collectively? Are their objectives reasonable? For everybody? Are they closed to negotiations? Meaning, you know, they're just not open to what, what you want. Or are they determined? Are they determined to, to get what they want at any cost, regardless of you or anybody else? So you're, through your verbal communication skills, and there is a structure to it um, that we teach, of determining their state. Are they open, are they closed, or are they determined? 
because you've got to make sure that you aren't part of the problem. Because if you're part of the problem, you're never going to be able to tell if they're open, closed, or determined because you're clouding your own, kind of your own uh, process here. Verbal communication skills goes hand in hand with baseline, being baseline. Being baseline just is being balanced, calm, cool, collected, and uh, having the right attitude of seeing conflict as an opportunity and not being part of the problem. If you are not baseline, it's going to be very challenging to, um, to verbally communicate effectively. <coughs> so... Another thing when it comes to verbal communications and diplomacy is this idea of respect. And that not only goes with baseline, but it also goes with the ethic that we're talking about, right? The ethic of being a protector really points to this value of life and being able to separate someone's life value, their value as a human being, from their behaviors and and beliefs. Um you have to find a place to try to respect the human being while you're managing the behavior if necessary, you know, if you have to. So without respect, you're only going to be able to do, do, to do so much diplomacy. You're only going to be able to do so much, inf- have so much influence and be so persuasive, right? You can be persuasive through intimidation, but it's going to have its limits. And basically, it's going to break down as soon as you turn your back, right? As soon as they feel that you're weak, um, if you just are getting your way by intimidation and, and power, um, there's a likelihood that that individual is going to walk all over you once they have the chance. Now, I'm not saying come at it weak and come at it from a pleading standpoint. They're also, you know, you want to make sure that you're strong enough to where you can um, not look like a pushover because you want that balance. But also, you don't want to just get what you want out of intimidation, typically. I mean, hey, if, if it's between that or all-out chaos or between that, that meaning, you know, I've got to use force to get my way. If it's between that or you're going to hurt me or someone else, then I will choose the intimidation. But preferably, I want to lead not through intimidation, but I want to lead through inspiration to where I'm respecting their value as a human being and I am dealing appropriately, appropriately with the actions. And it may come across as intimidating sometime, but it's really not. It's a, it, it may turn into an either or thing. It's like, hey, if you do this, then I'm going to have to use force. I don't really want to do that. However, I am fully capable and able and willing to do that if necessary. So if you take that as intimidation, I totally get it. However, there are consequences for your actions if we can't resolve this. And this is what it is. So through respect, is it's going to be easier to have diplomacy. It's going to be more persuasive in the bigger picture. You can sometimes get your way through intimidation, but it can often backfire. If we have a continuum, it's going to look something like this. You've got chaos. And then up from chaos, you have this idea of compliance, right? They comply with you. From compliance, you have 
cooperation. You know, they, they begin to cooperate with you. And then from cooperation, you have some type of, they begin to, there's a cohesiveness, right? And then from that cohesiveness, there is a somewhat of a camaraderie. So when it comes to that, this idea of compliance, you can get, you can intimidate someone into complying with you, right? You can intimidate someone to comply with you, but you're not going to get them to be more cohesive and get some better cooperation if you don't start showing some respect, right? Sometimes you can even get some cooperation through only having um, intimidation or kind of the strong arm effect. But I really don't want to just use intimidation to get my way, right? I want to utilize inspiration and have good boundaries in order to influence people to do what um, what I th- what I want them to do or what is necessary to um, kind of solve the problem so to speak so this idea of cooperation, is going to be based a lot on your ability to influence. Now, if it starts getting beyond cooperation, so now you're talking about, well, how do I get the person to collaborate with me? And collaboration, it's going to take more of that that respect. Because if they don't respect you, they're not going to really collaborate. They may still cooperate, but they may not collaborate with you. And upwards of the collaboration, there is no way that there's going to be any type of camaraderie. Now, camaraderie, I'm not talking about the good old boys club and all this kind of stuff. I'm really talking about this idea of, once again, the universal life value of having people respect you and see your similarities through the differences. Yeah, 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 we're all going to have differences. I totally get that. But Really, what it boils down to is can we see beyond our differences to see our similarities? Because at the end of the day, we are essentially all the same, meaning we're all human beings. We have very similar wants and needs Yes, we have a lot of differences, but we have even more, and more importantly, we have deeper similarities. So we're always trying to get back to 
those elements. If I can connect with someone's similarities, then it's going to be easier to influence them and persuade them into doing what needs to be done as long as that objective is is um, most good least harm. If it is not most good least harm, then you're going to have, you're probably going to have a, a much rougher time um, persuading that individual to doing what you need them to do. So this idea of this continuum is important for you to not be too attached to it, but in the same token to know that it is there you can hear my computer in the background but um, judging by someone's state uh, let me rephrase when I determine someone's state if they're not being if I'm offering up reasonable requests and having reasonable expectations that are most, most good least harm for everybody and the person isn't really coming around and they're not being reasonable, you're starting to determine what their state is, right? Because if they're in a in the wrong state, you know, they're not, they're not open to your suggestions and so forth. Um, you may still be able to get them to come around through greater verbal communications, but you also may determine that they are closed off to your suggestions. And then you have to make sure you have, you know, what is your plan B if they are closed off to what you're proposing which goes again it's counterintuitive from being a uh, just having a casual conversation where it's just kind of this casual back and forth um, kind of communication style to where you know it's it's just very informal and it's very personal or personable but it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to go anywhere. Where if you're in conflict communications and or some type of a de-escalation or some type of a negotiation, it, it should have and it's going to have some conclusion to it. So, okay, so when possible, you want to inspire voluntary compliance, cooperation, collaboration, cohesion and camaraderie and the only way that you're going to go from basically compliance to cohesion and camaraderie is through respect you're going to need respect of the universal life value the value of that person as a human being and separate out their behaviors they're going to have to feel that they are respected in order to start to collaborate with you to have any type of cohesion to where you're now cohesive in your 
viewpoints and cohesive in the object, objectives of what you're trying to accomplish and then for there to be any type of camaraderie. You can often get compliance or cooperation through um, power and threats and intimidation, but it can often also, as we were talking about, backfire on you. So there you go. I could go on and on for a long time about the difference the different styles or the different approaches and different tips, tricks, and tactics about verbal communication skills and diplomacy. But I think I think um, we're probably good for today. So I'm going to wrap it up with you on these notes. There's a couple quotes that I like. Um, this one's from Dwight Eisenhower. Leadership is the art of getting someone else to do something you want because... He wants to do it. So basically, you're talking someone, influencing someone, and they think it's their idea. So uh, another one from by Lao Tzu is, a leader is best when people barely know he exists. When his work is done, his aim is fulfilled, and the people will say that they did it themselves. So if you can lead in a way to where the other person thinks it's their idea, um, that is a mark of a good leader, right? Not that you're forcing it upon them or they think they have to, but they, they think that, wow, this was their idea. That is a good thing. Like when it comes to sales, I think uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, who's a sales trainer, I don't, I don't know if he's still around, but I know when I was in, in uh, my corporate days, I went to a few of his trainings and I liked his material, but he said, people don't like to be sold, but they love to buy. So once again, it's kind of like that idea of you're inspiring them, you're not intimidating them to do something. And if you can be more diplomatic in your approach, you probably will stave off a lot of conflicts that could erupt into something physical when it comes to protecting yourself, when it comes to your relationships and your career and everything you do in life. Verbal communication skills are paramount in helping you to be successful. Not just for your survival, but for your success in life. And if you want to get on that path, get on my six-day defense course. It will be the fundamental aspects of protecting yourself. And it will give you some of the basics that will build the foundation to help you, believe it or not, be a better verbal communicator. Although I don't go over specific verbal communication skills on that program, what it does is it starts to build the foundation that kind of runs beneath that. You're going to learn a handful of concepts and you're going to learn some physical self-defense skills that will help you to give you the confidence to be a better verbal communicator. And then it's amazing um, what that can do for you. It will help you to train your body like a soldier, your mind like a general. It will start building the foundations to building your mouth like a diplomat and start to plant those seeds for helping you to become a protector to where you're protecting the right things so you can have the heart of a protector. 
All right, gang, go to sixdaydefense.com. It's all spelled out except for the dot. That's all I've got. That's all I have for you today. And I hope that you continue to strive to be a better protector and a better, more effective peace walker. And I hope this helped you. So I'll see you on the next episode. Craig Gray, Peace Walker Podcast. Keep going, gang. Talk to you later. The question is, in today's day and age, how do you protect yourself, your family, and your community more effectively? Well, my name is Craig Gray, and today on the Peace Walker Podcast, we're going to answer those questions and a whole bunch more. You're going to learn the power of protection, the art of influence, and the confidence of clarity as you build a protector's lifestyle to live, to protect, and to inspire at a whole new level.